as we read this passage together. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to study this wonderful book of Philippians. We pray that you would be with us throughout this entire study, that you would help us to grow in joy and unity with one another. We pray, Father, that you would be with us this morning, that you, by your Spirit, would speak through me, that your word would be an encouragement to us this all this morning, and that you would build us up in our most holy faith, looking to Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Beloved, do you feel loved by this church? Zion Presbyterian Church became an official entity on January 1st, 2020. So we just crossed the three-year anniversary of being a church. And over the, our, the past three years, the Lord has done some wonderful things through this church. We went through launch preparations and preview services, and we began public, publicly worshiping here at Stuber Elementary. We've celebrated the Lord's Supper week after week. We've had many baptisms. The Lord has established new ministries We've welcomed many new members, many new faces. We've uh, served the community in different ways. We've done Hope Walks and Fourth of July events. We've held VBS programs and kids clubs. We've got a wonderful youth group and men's ministry and women's ministry. And we've supported many good ministries like Cornerstone and RUF Campus Ministers at UNT and SMU and overseas missionaries. We've done some amazing things, even in our short period of time. But do you feel loved by this church? Because over that same period of time, we've also experienced the disappointment of seeing some of our brothers and sisters leave the fellowship here at Zion. Um, we lost some people in the launch preparation process before we even launched. We lost some people within a year of 
launching publicly. And we've been around long enough now that some people that joined well after we launched have, have come and, and gone. And I've spent a good amount of time reflecting on that fact, as I know that many of you have as well. I've heard some of those discussions, why people would leave. It's disappointing. It's sad. It's weird. Um, and it's hard to get a real solid answer because it's, it's kind of like a relationship breakup in some ways. If you're not ghosted altogether, you might get some political answer that doesn't ruffle feathers or bring hurt. But as I've considered it, I wonder if the reason is that they didn't feel loved by this church. Now, I'm saying that specifically the way that I'm saying it, that they didn't feel loved that, by this church because I know for certain that they were loved by this church. And how do I know that? Well, I've, I've watched you love each other well. I've heard that love in that sadness and that ache as we've seen people choose to go somewhere else to become part of the church. And I've felt that love in my own heart for each and every one of you. And I seek to shape my life in such a way to reflect that love through the way that I minister to you. But my question is, do you feel loved by this church? Because I know for certain that you are. Now, as I just said, each of Paul's letters has a distinct tenor to it, a distinct emphasis. You know, some are, like Galatians, are confrontational, making sure that the church doesn't, well, wondering why they've went, gone after a different gospel. Some are very distinctly um, theological, rich theological teaching like Romans. But this letter is very tender, uh, very heartfelt in how he approaches the Philippians. You know, Acts gives us the, the sense that Paul was there for only a sh short period of time, but the church in Philippi seems to be one of his favorites. And in this tender opening, it's almost like Paul wants to open up his heart to the Philippian church and tell them of his great love for them. That to help Tell them of Christ's great love for them, which he himself participates in. And this book is driving us towards this greater joy in Christ Jesus. But there is great joy in knowing that you are loved. It is, it is hard to imagine someone wanting to go somewhere else if they know that they are loved deeply and cared for well and loved with that type of passionate care of Jesus Christ. And what Paul wants to do in this passage is he wants to explain that he knows the love that Christ has for them because he himself loves it 
loves them with the affections of Jesus Christ. And then that love is confirmation that God is at work in them. Um, this whole first section is largely a discussion of Paul's prayer life for the Philippian church. And a lot of times people will say, well, I'm praying for you. And often that's true. Maybe not as often as we want it to be, but even when somebody is praying for you and you know that they're praying for you, we often don't get visibility on what is the content or the heart of the prayers that they have for the people. And Paul, as it were, opens up the, the window into his heart to say, this is how I'm praying for you. And it reveals his heart, his pastoral heart for this church. And so we'll see that he, he begins with just a pastoral thanksgiving, and then he gives a very succinct statement of his pastoral heart, and he closes with a pastoral petition, pastoral supplication. So he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He begins with thanksgiving, and there's some characteristics to this thanksgiving. It's, it, is, it is thankful, so he is recognizing that this church in Philippi, these individuals, these, these people that he knows in Philippi are worth thanking God for. They're a gift that, that the, the people themselves, the church, that God's work here in Philippi is a work of God that he's been able to be a part of. But he's thanking God for them. And he's also thanking God for the work that God has done in and through the church. So he's, he's thankful. And it's, it's a um, it's a constant, a continual thankfulness. He says, I thank my God always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. When he remembers them, he gives thanks. And when, when he prays, he remembers them. It's a building up of his affections and his love and his thankfulness for them through his prayers. And it's a comprehensive prayer. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all. He's praying for you all. Each person, the old, the young, the foolish, the wise, the mature, the, the young, immature believer. You know, we'll, we'll see that there seems to be some kind of disunity within the church. And he even calls out these two women at, in the end by name, but Paul isn't taking sides. He's praying for them all. He's thankful for them all. There are no projects or problems in his mind. These are his brothers and sisters that he loves, and he's praying for them all. And it's a prayer with joy. It says, making my prayer with joy. It's, no, it's not a burden or a difficulty for him to give thanks for the people in this church. He loves them, and he is it produces joy, but it's also because of his joy for them that he gives thanks for them. And he gives the reason for his joy, for his, for his thankfulness. He says, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So the partnership in the gospel, we can see that in a couple different ways. I mean, we, 
It's clear that the Philippian church was very generous and kind. They sent Epaphroditus with a gift, and he, they supported his ministry. And so, in a very real sense, Paul is acknowledging the fact that his ministry was possible only because of the faithful support of this church. And it's very, the very same thing for us when we support missionaries or campus ministers who are ministering in a place where we cannot We are truly enabling them to do the work of ministry. We are partnering with them, and God is graciously giving us an opportunity to support their ministry, but also be partners with them in that ministry. But that's that's one sense. But on a second sense, they're partners because there is a similar ministry. Paul is in... Rome, perhaps in a prison, ministering where he is, contending for the gospel, defending it and confirming it. And they're doing the same thing in Philippi, in their location. They are contending for the gospel. They are proclaiming Christ. And so they're partners, same gospel, same Lord, same spirit, and they're brothers and sisters in Unity. They have a partnership. They have a fellowship. A koinonia is the word. They have a fellowship in this gospel. And then he gives a second reason for his thankfulness. This is a, a second, a, a new sentence in our English translations, but it, it, in the Greek, it's all part of the same sentence. Um, he says, uh, "Confident of this." this He has a confident hope, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's got a confident hope that the work that God has done in and through the Philippian church will be brought to completion. And I say in and through because I think that's the sense there. They are partners with Paul in his ministry, and he is confident that that ministry that he has will be brought to completion. He's seen the work of the Philippian church grow over the years from the days when he met Lydia on the riverbank to the point where they now have elders and deacons, and there's saints, multiple saints. This church has grown. They're contending for the gospel. He's confident that that work is going to come to completion because the Lord Jesus Christ has said, I will build my church. And he's seen it, Paul's seen that working through the Philippian church. But it's even more to the point that he says, I'm sure that he who began a good work in you, in you, the only, work, the only reason that God could do a good work through the Philippian church, the work of generosity, the work of proclaiming the gospel is because of the work that God had done in them individually and as a body. God, by his spirit, gives us that gift of faith and gives us a love for Christ. And true love for Christ will draw us to one another. True love for Christ will set us free from our own self-centeredness and cause us to be generous with our things, will cause us to be loving in our service and bold in our proclamation of the gospel. But notice that it's a, in this familiar verse, notice like Paul acknowledges that as much as the good work that has been done, that it's not done yet. And it's not going to be done 
for some time. He said, the good work that began in you will be brought to completion when? At the day of Jesus Christ. They were, they were partners from the first day, and it will be brought to completion at the last day. And beloved, this should, this should give us encouragement as we think about our work here at Zion. And even as you deal with your own uh, walk of faith, you're putting to death the sins that are a struggle for you, your, your pursuit of holiness, your pursuit of love for Christ, your pursuit of love for one another. That we are, there's a, the Holy Spirit wants us to know that it's right for us to feel this tension that we're not done yet because we won't be done until God brings it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And, and we can even look to the church of Philippi because, as I said earlier, this was the first church that the Lord planted in Europe. So it was the, it was the birth of the Western church. And in that little riverside gathering, now there are millions, perhaps, of churches throughout the Western world over the past 2,000 years. We are fruit of that good work that God began at Philippi by the grace of God. And wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to have a glimpse of what the story is about Prosper Texas or Zion Presbyterian Church from 100 years from now to see all the people that have come to faith, that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, the, the, the baptisms into Christ that have happened and uh, the, the churches planted, the missionaries sent out. That will be a wonderful story. And I'm convinced that in glory, the Lord will give us a glimpse of that and will encourage us and the good work that he began in us that he bring, as he brings it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So he gives us this reason for why he's, why he's uh, thankful. But then he gives us the justification for why he's so confident. And it's shocking. Verse 7, it's right for me or it's just for me to feel this way about all of you, that, that uh, I'm thankful for you. It's, just, it's right for me to, to be uh, confident that the Lord will bring it to completion. And we probably would expect him to say, because God has declared it in his word, that he will be faithful to all of his promises. And that, that is absolutely true, but that's not what he says. Or he could, it might be what we would expect is for him to say, is right for me to feel this because Christ loves you with a passionate love that he was willing to leave heaven to pursue after you and to shed his own blood for you. And that's true too, but that's not what he says. He says, it's, verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. It's awfully subjective. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It's as if Paul is saying, because of the fact that you have participated with me and we are partakers together, and I have, the Lord has given me these deep affections for you. That is proof to me that we have a bond that is glorious and evidence that God is at work in you 
just as I know he is at work in me. Because it's not just about the work. It's about his affections. Look at what verse 8 says. This verse is remarkable, beloved. He says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul was an Old Testament scholar. He was a Pharisee. The Old Testament, you know, we we think of the heart as the seed of emotion and the, the mind as the seed of thinking and reasoning. The Hebrew mindset was that the heart was the seed of thinking and wisdom and all these things. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In a man's heart, he makes his plans. The Hebrew mindset for emotions or feeling was the bowels or the kidneys. And if you, you're reading a uh, King James version of the Bible, it, you probably saw that in verse 8. That's how it's translated in the King James. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the bowels of Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm appreciative for affection. That's a better <laughs> translation in my mind. But we would say something like, I feel it in my gut, from the pit of my stomach. Paul is saying that he yearns for them. He, he, he is passionate about them. He loves them. And don't miss this. He says, I, I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, beloved, has a love for you from the pit of his stomach. This is, the, this is the, the God that reveals himself as rejoicing over his people with singing and dancing. He's the, this is the God that de- defines his people as his bride that he's jealous for, the, the apple of his eye that he watches over. He, he loves you. And what Paul is showing us is that God gives his shepherds that same affection, a share of the affection of Christ Jesus, a glimpse of it in the heart of Paul. And, he, and, and it's remarkable because people can say words But Paul says this in the language of an oath, as if he's raising his right hand before the Philippians and before the Almighty God to say, God is my witness. God who knows my heart knows that I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Beloved, that is a wonderful grace of our our God that as profoundly as we know and we believe that Christ Jesus loves us, that he shares that heart and that passion with his people so that we would experience it on this earth, that we would experience it even in the midst of our existence. And, and he gives that heart largely to his shepherds. And beloved, I can tell you for certain that that's not just theory. For God is my witness that I yearn for you 
with the affection of Christ Jesus. I know my heart, and I know how I am apart from Christ Jesus, and I know the heart that he has given me for you. And he has transformed my life to be for you. You know, people go to... People go to the ministry for all sorts of different reasons. I, I went to seminary just because God had given me a love for his word, the beauty of it. I just went on to study it more. And uh, then when I got into the, the ministry, you know, why, why did we plant a church? Well, because God had given me, as I studied God's word, he gave me a love for Christ. And I wanted to make his name glorious. And I wanted to plant a church that would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in this place church is filled with God's people and so in the process God gives a heart for his people you know at the end of the book of John Peter when Jesus is restoring him he says Peter do you love me and Peter says well yeah you know I do he says well feed my sheep love my sheep care for my sheep and Christ gives his heart in a unique and a profound way, beloved. I strive to understand God's word because I love it, but also because I want you to love it and I want you to taste the sweetness of Christ Jesus through my words. I, I, I pray for you that you would Know these things. I give thanks for you because of the work that God has done in and through you. And it's every, each and every one of you. I don't know what you think about me or the other elders and our heart for you, but I can assure you that we love you from the pit of our stomach and we want what is best. And yet there is a weakness in the calling. There is a futility I know that I cannot convince you of the love of Christ. I know that I cannot convince you of the gospel. I cannot convince you of my own love for you. How we feel is an interpretive thing, and feelings are a mess. They're important, but they're so subject to all sorts of problems. And so there is a futility, and so it drives us as shepherds to our knees to pray. And that's where Paul goes with this concluding prayer. He reveals how he is praying for these Philippians. With all of his heart, he says, it's my prayer that your love may abound. He loves them with this profound love. And he knows the joy of loving this church and laying down his life for the church. And he wants them to love with that love. He wants them to experience that joy of loving each other and to love Christ and to love his word. And so he says, it's my prayer that your love would abound more and more. And it's not, about, it's not just about feelings. It's not about feelings. It's rooted in truth that you may abound, your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And it's a love that bears fruit so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And beloved, that is what we must pray. That's how we 
must pray for one another. And beloved, love is what it's all about. It's God's love for us in Jesus Christ. Love is what unites us a faith of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Love is what is what will make this church beautiful in the midst of the place, the place where the Lord has planted us. So I ask the question, do you feel loved? I think that's the wrong question. The right question is, since you are so profoundly loved, beloved, how will you love one another? How will you grow in that love? And if I could give you one brief point of application from this text, we could talk about how to grow in love lots of different ways. From this text, I would say to you, pray for one another. Pray for one another and I assure you, you will grow in love for one another. When you pray for each other, you want to pray, you are taking your loved brother and sister before the throne of grace, and you are considering their needs, you are entering into their world, you are considering what they need and how you can love them. It cultivates in you a desire to serve them well and to grow in affection with them. And God answers prayers such as this, that love may abound more and more. In, in so doing, your love will abound more and more, even as you pray that they would grow, abound in love. Let's make this a loving church. One where it's obvious that we love one another and we are willing to serve one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul um, he says this wonderful thing. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Beloved, widen your hearts. Widen your hearts to each other. Widen your hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let his love flow through you and experience the joy of love. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are gracious to share with us your divine love. Help us to be uh, a loving people who recognize the love that you have given us in Christ, but also that you show us each day through each other. Help us to be faithful to, to love well, to be um, selfless, and to consider others. Lord, we desire to, to love you even as we love each other. And so help us to do that by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.